Michael Mawale for the win. Alike Okunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Pino gets the crossing. He's towards one man. championship medal. She is the greatest of all time. You just can't say it enough. Wow. Women's singles champion, Serena Williams. Large. Williams into Bird in the corner. You bet. She's done it again. Sue Bird. Hello, everyone, and welcome into this week's edition of All In. I'm Julia Moss, and this is going to be a little duo action today with just me and James Burley this week. We're going to break down some World Cup women's soccer. It's coming up pretty soon, but first, before we get into that, James, it's been... Honestly, I don't know if we've ever been on air together. This is huge. This is like a monumental moment. Oh, you know, I don't think we have. Wow. I mean, we. I think we've done behind the scenes stuff together at the same time, but never on the air together. Wow, this is oh, that's pretty cool. I was I and here. I was all selfish, excited for my first uh, time on All In. Meanwhile, we're sharing something together. Oh, that's on me. But yeah, I'm very uh, excited now. It's so exciting that you're finally on All In for the first time. We've talked women's soccer so much in the past. I'm happy that we could finally do it on All In. But I mean, let's get right into it. I think the first thing that we need to talk about is kind of the current state of the injuries that are going on right now because it's numerous stars that are not going to be in the World Cup is actually insane. Um, I'm going to read off a few names here and then we'll get into it. Uh, My document is loading, so we will give it just... I mean, I can just name some off the top of my head real quick. We got Beth Mead, Vivian Miedema, Leah Williamson, and then, you know, for the U.S. Women's National Team, along the lines of Sam Mewis, Mallory Pugh. Um, So, yeah, James, my first question for you is, like, which players do you think are, you know, because there there are the biggest names, but which ones do you think will have the biggest impact and leave the biggest, you know, gap when we're looking at the World Cup coming up? Well, I think um, not to focus on the U.S. right now, because we're going to have plenty of time to talk about the U.S. I want to talk about England, because... You mentioned Leah Williamson and and Beth Mead. Uh, Frank Kirby's out as well. Like th- that, that was a, a recently team that just won the Euros um, against all odds. I mean, albeit in front of their home fans, it's a big advantage. But they are a terrifically talented side that I thought were amongst the favorites to maybe knock the U.S. off their perch right now. Because let's face it, it's the U.S. and everyone chasing them. Um, so I was almost devastated to see so many names for England come down. I really thought that they were going to give it a real big run for their money. I have my doubts about them now. And now if I want to talk about the U.S., that's two big-time players who are already established into the team, but also not part of the necessarily older guard between Sam Mewis and Mallory Swanson. Uh, and I, Sam Mewis, I mean, as a midfielder, is like my queen, my favorite player on the women's team after Rose Lavelle. I love the way they play together. She will be a big miss, but I love the U.S.'s depth in those areas specifically because we can go with a list – uh, eight or nine, ten down uh, on the wing positions and up front to fill in the gaps for Mallory Swanson, as important of a player as she is. I'm very confident that the U.S. has players who can step up, either players that are younger, like the Trinity Rodmans, or players that are already been around the block, like your Megan Rapinos. You know, there there are 
players here and around that that can do these things for the U.S. So um, I think I think I'm more concerned for teams like England who don't necessarily have that much success in their back pockets to fall back on. They really need all their players around. That's not to say that they still don't have Lucy Bronze, Chloe Kelly. They're they're a terrific side. Um, and then our our, our group mates, uh, the Netherlands, are going to be out with probably their biggest piece in Miedema. Um, I mean, they're still, again, another team that you can go down the line. They were at the final in 2019 for a reason. Uh, this is a really – the fact that we're talking about all these big names being out from the World Cup and all these teams are still really strong, I, it, it speaks a lot about the way this game's grown. Not only are we going to a 32-team World Cup for the first time, but there are really, like, impact players all over the globe now who can really uh, – bring more eyes on the sport uh, and and the women's game. And I'm just so pumped to see that this is how it's going to start. What's crazy is that like in an alternate world, we could be looking at this list of like, you know, who do we think is going to be like the MVP of the world cup? And this is actually, you know, we're living in the timeline where this is unfortunately the, the injury list. And you make a lot of really good points, you know, specifically with England, you know, they're riding all the momentum right now from the euros. And, you know, I wrote an article for the rim a few months ago talking about how, you know, what we're seeing in England right now is a lot of like what we saw in the in the United States when uh, right after that United States Brazil game in 2011 when Abby Wambach headed it in in the, like the 121st minute or whatever 118th minute. Um, that's kind of what's happening in England right now. So all of these injuries are really stunting that momentum, and it's really really unfortunate, really unfortunate for Arsenal's club team because a lot of these players play for Arsenal. I think they've had like four ACL tears on that team alone. I mean Vivian Miedema. Leo Williamson and uh, Beth Mead all play for Ar Arsenal. So, like, it's crazy the unluckiness England, the Netherlands, and specifically, oh, my God, Arsenal has had. And moving over to the Netherlands, I really feel like without Vivian Miedema, the ceiling the Netherlands can kind of surpass, I think, lowers by half at minimum. Being in a group with the United States is not fun to begin with. Um, and when the this draw happened, I was oh my gosh, of course we got the Netherlands. But now I'm not all that worried, to be honest. You know, maybe that's uh, naive of me. But without a Netherlands without Vivian Miedema is not a Netherlands I'm necessarily afraid of. And, and one other player we didn't even talk about is Katarina Macario. She's not going to be playing in the World Cup either. And she's another one of those players that's coming up much like Mallory Swanson, um, that really bridges that gap that we're not going to see for another at least four years. So that's really unfortunate. And this kind of directly segues into the next topic that I wanted to to discuss, and that is the divide we're seeing a little bit within the U.S. women's national team of players of old and then players, the new generation of players. And it's been kind of a rocky transition, I would say, Um We've seen a lot of losses, a lot of ugly wins against teams that we would normally blow out. And, you know, I would say like the one bright spot of that early friendly kind of stretch we went through was Mallory Swanson. So it's really unfortunate she's now had the worst time injury ever. But James, what have you made so far of, you know, the post 2020 slash 21 Tokyo Olympics, you know, how we've how the United States is kind of transitioned i guess into this new age of women's soccer well i i think the olympics going the way that it did presented the u.s with an opportunity to look towards 2023 with a 
fresh start kind of mentality. And I and I'd say it's in many ways that they did. They they've experimented with players. They've 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 thrown new things at the wall, ideas here and there. There's been some turnover in the team, not as much as maybe some other countries would when certain players get to these ages, but this is because it's such a special generation that they're leaving behind. Three straight finals appearances, back-to-back -back World Cups. You just don't do that in, in this game. It, it, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't happen. So I you understand their their willingness to grasp onto what they have. And, you know, Becky Sauerbrunn's still the captain. She's 38. She belongs there. But then you have players that belong coming into the fold, like Trinity Rodman. And you felt like this was going to be the World Cup of someone like Mallory Swanson. This was going to be her time to shine you thought it'd be someone like her on the cover of sports illustrated i'm sure you saw the cover julia you saw who was on it this morning the only remaining member of the past generation that that featured there was alex morgan and i don't think you can make any sort of argument to someone who scored over 120 goals for their country not being the face of that team so i yeah it's been rocky but Anything with this team standards would be you. You wouldn't expect anything less. There's, there's it doesn't get much brighter than what they had leading into this generational divide. And so for them to have come into 2023 undefeated, playing some decent teams, going to the host country to start it off in January and winning back to back games, thumping wins against New Zealand where you didn't necessarily have your best stuff, but you still pulled it out and did it with in fashion. Um, I think that. You got to give Vlatko some credit for having willingness to try things while also keeping the essence of what made this team so great. But it's it's going to be hard to evaluate whether or not they did a good job bridging the gap until this World Cup's over and we're looking back and saying, OK, did they do it when it mattered? Because the Olympics, while they came up short, it's a different beast. This is the U.S.'s competition. And now it's time to see if they can do it with this next generation. And, you know, I'd be bullish because they looked really good coming into it now. Yeah, I think that's what scares me a lot is that you can't really evaluate how good this team is until it's like too late to change anything because you're already, you know, you're bought into the World Cup. And I think where my skepticism of Vladko comes in is is those those 4 a.m. games in Australia that I woke up for or in Tokyo, sorry, Australia will be the World Cup. But those 4 a.m. games in Tokyo waking up and, and watching the U.S. just put goose eggs up against Canada and, and Sweden. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a good showing. Let's just say that. And, you know, when it really counts, Latko hasn't tactically, in my opinion, made right choices roster wise, position wise, putting Lindsay Horan in the sixth spot and Julie Ertz's absence might've seemed right on paper, but you know, when you, look at Lindsay Horan playing in that spot Julie Ertz had, it didn't go well, and Vladko stayed with it way too long, in my opinion. Uh, luckily, Julie Ertz uh, is primed to be back for the World Cup, so we'll see how that goes. She looked pretty good in her return. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I am skeptic. I don't want to be skeptic, but I am. I don't want to go into this World Cup thinking you know it's going to be you know class domination, because I don't think that's what this team is, because... Another point I have about this specific U.S. Women's National Team roster that hasn't been released yet, but we have a good idea of who's going to be on it, is that there are not that many players necessarily in their prime. There are a lot of players who are making their way to their prime, like Trinity Rodman, who is playing exceptional, Naomi Gurma, a lot of players, a lot of young players, and then a lot of really old players, like Alex Morgan, like Megan Rapinoe. And I, you can make your 
I guess you can make an argument Alex Morgan's at the end of her prime, but I'm putting her a little bit past that. She is more, she's way closer to retirement than I think she is the start of her career. Um, so that worries me a lot. You have the Roosevelt's who are, I think, are well situated in their prime. They know the U.S. Women's National Team. They've been to World Cup and they've had that experience. But they're outside of Roosevelt and Lindsay Horan. You have like Kelly O'Hara, who is definitely out of her prime, I would say. You have Emily Sonnet, who age-wise is in her prime, I would say, but performance-wise has not really been playing very well, but she will likely make the World Cup roster. Um, but then you have Alyssa Nair, and that's that's awesome. I think that's the the one position where I feel like, okay, you know, we have the best of the best. I don't think there's a goalkeeper better than Alyssa Nair out there. So um, I definitely just threw a lot at you, James, and I saw a couple faces made, so I did want to hear your I want to hear your response. Well, there's one name who I would put firmly is in her prime that you didn't mention, and she's sort of the Swiss Army knife of the squad, and Crystal Dunn. Um, uh, they she she deserves her own segment, her own episode because they've been trying to figure out how best to use her forever, and meanwhile they've still been very successful uh, in forcing her to play out of position. Um, I think. She's probably going to have to do it again. Sue me. I'm sorry. But uh, I'm glad you ended with Alyssa Nair because the goalkeeping situation, it, it's not cemented that it's going to be Alyssa Nair. It 100% should be. But Vladko loves giving Kate, uh, Casey Murphy some tries and goal. And I love having a younger look in there as well. Uh, Adriana French is, you know, a legend, but I don't think she's going to play at this World Cup. Um, there's really a, a, a missing generation in here. And I, and I think... You know, when we think about a missing generation in U.S. soccer, we remember men's team that didn't even qualify for the 2018 World Cup. This this problem is certainly not nearly as big, but I think it it speaks to players who are roughly the same age. There's some consistencies in that the players who were born, you know, early 90s, that frame period, there is a bit of a gap. And I'm, I'm not sure what attributes to it in both cases. It Maybe it's just an anomaly, but we saw what precedes it is a golden generation beyond belief and then what's coming underneath is something that people are really really excited about like sophia smith and trinity rodman and uh, i'll I, you, you i'll throw Alyssa thompson in there with naomi Germa as well they there there's some some players to be really excited about that you know it, we shouldn't be sitting here and thinking well there's this generation missing when there's these players down the line that i don't think the u.s or any team has really ever had that many young players roughly the same age be that productive in their domestic league and look that exciting on the world stage. I can't remember a time and because, well, the only players I can remember are still on this team for, for uh, more or less. So I, if, if there's anything that I want to be skeptic about, it's um, how good they're going to be in the future. Because I know, look, having the Netherlands in your group is not a, uh, it's not a cakewalk, but, I love the fact that they get to see a team that good that early because there's going to be some players who this is going to be their first test on the big stage uh, and some other players who are going to be primed for the uh, occasion. And that's going to make for some weird dynamics. And those weird dynamics we've seen play out in some of these friendlies and the She Believes Cup, although that they grinded out three good wins in that tournament. Um, and what I felt was, you know, a good tune up for World Cup quality football. So I think, yeah, there's there's something to be skeptical about because there is. There is a gap in the age. It's noticeable. They're going to have to work out the kinks. They've had the time. They've looked, they're starting to look better. And I think that 
if there's anything you want to be, it's excited about this next generation instead of harping on the fact that there is a pretty big six, seven year gap. Absolutely. And, you know, in my opinion, that gap, I think, is really attributed to just how good the last generation of U.S. Women's National Team was and the, how long they were so good. Because they didn't, you know, under Jill Ellis's era, they didn't need young players. They had Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, and they were good Shout for out New so Jersey. Yes. They were good for so long that... I think they kind of skipped a generation because they didn't need it because they were so good and up and like into their mid to late thirties that you didn't have that kind of that five to seven year window that you usually start to replace people with, because who are you going to replace when they're all so good when they're that, you know, I, I don't want to say that old, but when they're that, that much more aged and good than usual soccer players are. But um, I completely agree with you that this next generation is going to be so exciting and I, with that being said, I kind of want to talk about some of the fringe players. I want to throw some names out, and I want you to tell me if you think they're making the roster or not. So first name, Let's do it. first name I want to throw out here, and I mentioned her before, but I am skeptic, so skeptic. Emily Sonnet, what are we thinking? Okay, so Emily Sonnet is, it's I think like a, is an established player in this team. If if she doesn't go. It's because someone is going to play in her place and get time. Yeah, I think she goes. I think Emily Sonnet. I I think she's a name you can pencil in right now. She's too important. She's she's been all around the block before. She's won it before. Yeah, she's got to be there. Yeah, um, I am very. I want to say like yeah for sure. I mean, she's projected in just about every yeah website. But I think this could be one of those moves where it's like oh my God, she didn't make it. I wouldn't be surprised as, like, I wouldn't be as surprised as other people just because she was there. She was in the 2019 World Cup. That team was really good and she got quite a bit of playing time, but she hasn't done a whole lot since. She wasn't very good in the Olympics. She hasn't been that good in the, in the, uh, in league play so far in the NWSL. So, and she's getting older. So, I don't know. She's had some key mistakes in, you know, there are players like Carson Pickett, like Emily Fox, who are, you know, young and on their way up. And if Blackco really commits to that youth fountain of youth for this World Cup, I don't know. I, I if my life was depending on it, I would say Emily or uh, yeah, Emily Sonnet would be in it. Um, but let's move over to some midfielders. So I feel like the midfield set is pretty I think it's pretty set, to be honest. Um but we're going to keep it local because I feel like this this player a lot of people want to see on the World Cup roster. And I would be I would personally be stunned if she's not. But Christy Mewis, are, are we like for sure locking in on her being on the World Cup roster? I think I think you can for sure lock her in, especially because there isn't another Mewis there that might be taking up a midfield spot. So I I, I would even before that, I would say Christy Mewis, I would pencil her in now. Right now, I'd put her name in pen. Yeah, I think the midfield, because the other French players that, you know, may make it in, probably not. You know, those players are Taylor Korniak, Sam, Sam Coffey, Jalen Howell, mm. and Savannah DeMello. I don't see any, like, I feel like this is the most clear-cut position there is on the World there, Cup roster. There's a hierarchy of who is in contention for playing time and who is there in case someone gets injured. Um, I really love 
Um, as much as I don't like well, the Washington spirit, Andy Sullivan and Ashley Sanchez, that one-two punch in the middle is absolute dynamite and NWSL play. Um, I, Andy Sullivan can do a job. She started both games against Ireland, I believe. She was terrific. I, I loved her game. I'm glad you brought up Emily Fox, too, because she played really well uh, in the back line in that game. So, I, I mean, I, I, I know that there's, there's Ertz, Haran, Lavelle, and then pretty much everyone else in that group. But I still think that, that for that to be the ceiling is just so, so high. Agreed. Yeah, the midfield is where we're definitely, you know, we're set for the future. We're set for the present and the future. But moving to the forwards, this is super interesting to me because this is one of those situations where it's like we do have a wealth of riches. And with that, there are going to be players that are fan favorites I think are not going to make the trip to Australia. And that might be Midge Purse. As awful as it is and as great as she has been, she hasn't really been lighting it up as of late. And right now, she's not projected to make the roster at all. And, you know, this is where my hatred for the Washington spirit comes out because Ashley Hatch can't stop scoring goals. And Midge Purse hasn't been as productive as she may need to be if she wants to be on the plane. Um, Yeah, and I think, think, look, we can't have everything with Gotham. I think Lynn Williams is there. Mitch yeah. Purse, unfortunately, isn't. And that that that's hard for me to believe because a year ago, I would not have been saying that. I would have told you it the other way, probably. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Mitch Purse has been like a, a stable roster spot for this team until recently. And, you know, something I do respect about Vlatko Anonofsky is that he does take NWSL playing time very, very seriously. He has said on several interviews, several press conferences that, look, if you want to make this team, you've got to play well in club play. And that leads me to another player that I want to talk about. I mentioned her earlier. She's not, I would, gosh, the betting odds if she makes this World Cup roster has got to be like a gazillion, or yeah, plus a gazillion. But I want to talk about Tobin Heath for a second because, you know, she's not making this team because she hasn't, she's been injured, first of all. Last time she played was last season for OL Reign and she didn't even finish the season off. Her situation is really interesting to me. I don't know if you've followed it very much, but she is a free agent. NWSL free agency was introduced last season, and she just hasn't signed for a team. And I don't know what's happening because she's still, like, listed on some websites as, like, you know, Hail Mary could be. But I don't, like, at this point, if a soccer player hasn't willingly signed to a team at this point in the NWSL season, do you think she's going to play soccer again? I I have my doubts. And, I mean, to put her in as a Hail Mary pick for the World Cup, I think, is a bit disrespectful to the likes of Midge Purse. For as, as much of a legend as Tobin Heath is, don't get me wrong, I shouted out New Jersey for her about 15 minutes ago, if you'll recall. Um, I I can't see it happening. I, I mean, as 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 you get further and further away from the game, it just gets so hard to just make that jump into that four way back into it, especially with concerns to injuries. And she's part of that generation that we're looking at these players and thought, well, a lot of other teams don't have players at this age playing at this high of a level. And I think that maybe that generation has, and this is sad to say, has sort of left her behind a little bit. And um, yeah, it'll be sad to say if this is the end, but it has to come for everybody. And I mean, as far as track records go and resumes, it does not get any better than Tobin Heath, an absolute legend. 
absolutely, 100%. And um, she's definitely not making this team, um, as I said before. But as far as the potential for her future playing career, I really hope she does come back. She definitely has a place probably on any NWSL team she wants. Um, anyone will take her her expertise. She's not past playing age by any means. She was just playing last season and also scored a huge goal against, I believe it was Portland. It was, it was O.L. Ray in Portland um, where she played for so many years prior that, you know, she still, she still has it. She still has that ability. Um, so I hope she comes back because she's one of my favorite players ever, if not my favorite player ever. And I've never gotten to see her play live. So that's on the bucket list. And if she retires, that clearly cannot happen. So hope she stays. Um, hope she finds her place on a on a team somewhere, even if it's not on a national team. But you, you know what? We should we should try to convince Tobin Heath to sign the contract one game for Gotham, play at home, play right in I'm your saying. backyard. Let's she had do a it. short stint. She had a short stint when they were Sky Blue FC, but she needs to she's a make return. I uh, can't imagine why she wouldn't, besides the fact she lives in Los Angeles and it's uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. Well Angel City could could use a new winger, I guess. I don't know. She's been like she's been rumored and connected to Angel City for like years. Uh, pretty much ever since Kristen Press went to Angel City, Tobin Heath has been connected, but it just hasn't hasn't panned out. Um but we've already kind of talked about the goalkeeping situation. I feel like it's pretty clear cut. Alyssa Nair, Casey Murphy, AD French. Um, you know, Alyssa Nair has, I feel like you have to kind of lose your spot in order to get replaced at goalkeeper. And as great as Casey Murphy has been, I can't stress that enough. She has performed incredibly. And I think this team would be in good hands either way. I don't think Alyssa Nair hasn't had a drop off to lose her spot yet. No. And she's still very much the same keeper who had heroics and three clean sheets and a penalty in the quarterfinals at the previous world cup. Like let's, let's not. Let's not forget about where she's coming from either. We can talk about the future a lot because that's 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 a lot of what's the narrative around this this women's team because it's younger. But I would say even the foundation, the very backbone of the team, it's your goalkeeper, it's your spine. It's still Alyssa Nair, and she is still probably the best in the world. If I, I mean, I think it's hard to pick out any key goalkeeper on on her day that you would want over Alyssa Nair. Absolutely. And then just one injury away from possibly being the, the MVP to the Olympics last season. Yeah. But uh, it's one of those situations where we'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, but the last segment I kind of want to talk about before we wrap this up is to just kind of go over the group set that this team is going to face in just just a couple of months. It's, it's rapidly approaching. Um, and that first team they're going to play is Vietnam. You know, if you were to ask me, a year ago, if Vietnam had a women's national team, I wouldn't, it would be a 50-50 guess. I had no idea. But, but with that being said, upon further research since then, they aren't the worst team. They have had wins against, I mean, all of this is like, take it with a grain of salt because they don't play the kind of competition the United States does. They've won against these lower teams like Cambodia, Malaysia, Nepal, um, but they have two friendlies coming up against Germany and New Zealand. So the U.S. will benefit from the chance of being able to watch this team play against powerhouses before actually getting to play them. Because this could go, I feel like, a variety of ways. Vietnam could shock everyone and actually compete. And in that case, the U.S. needs to take notice for sure. But, and the more likely option, we might see some 5-6-0 games. 
I think it's probably going to be the second option. You'll remember how the U.S. started the group stage four years ago yep. against yep. Uh, debutantes uh, in Thailand. Um, you know, with the expansion of uh, the World Cup, we've seen heroic stories like Panama and Haiti and I, becoming two of the three inter-confederate winners from CONCACAF. I think that's amazing. I think that speaks to, you know, the impact that um, the U.S. and Canada have had on the global game for women because – I mean, we're at these, we're at the center of it and we can't say that in the men's game. It's, it's a great thing to be able to have. Um, and the fact that countries like Thailand debuted uh, four years ago, down they expand it. Now we have two new teams debut, uh, debuting, excuse me, in the Philippines and Vietnam, the Philippines, I know. So I've, I've one of my roommates at school is Filipino. He's follows the women's team closely. He is, he's very bullish about their chances. He thinks they're going to shock people. And I, you know, he's, his reasons, I, he can formulate them better than I can. I believe him. So I'm going to ride with the Philippines. Vietnam, on the other hand, I can't see, they were, I think the uh, playoff winner too. The Philippines uh, won in their quarterfinal game and qualified. Vietnam had to play off for this after losing in the uh, quarterfinals of the women's uh, Asian cup, which is how they do. Uh, their qualifiers, they don't do it like Europe where they have the group stages or like CONCACAF where they do two tables. Um, it's a little bit different. They do it on a, like a competition basis. And it's more of a luck of the draw that way. So I think um, you kind of see maybe not the greatest teams, but not the greatest system. It's very unforgiving to perhaps some better teams. But I think, look, if you're on the world stage, you're there for a reason and you never know what can happen. Do I think they'll beat the U.S.? Absolutely not. Do I think they'll pick up a point? No, I don't. I think they're going to end with zero points. I have I have very low expectations, unfortunately. But that's not to say that they didn't get a, a very difficult group in their first World Cup. But that's just the name of the game. Yeah, I mean, watch out for the Philippine women's national team. Watch out. Uh, moving on here to the, the Netherlands, we, we spoke a lot about this. And I kind of gave gave my opinion. I don't think... I, I mean, they will, I think they'll finish second in this group. Um, but I don't think they challenge the United States nearly, nearly as much. Because I think Vivian Miedema was the heart and soul of this team. The offensive firepower, the offense really ran through her as, you know, the primary goal scorer. And, and without her there, you know, I, I'm very pessimistic about the the ceiling for this team. They... They they definitely still have some firepower up front. Lika Martins, Joe Roard are like the two biggest ones outside of Viv. But you, you can't you can't realistically look at this team on paper and think that they're going to be able to match up to the U.S. Um, but again, this is going to be an emotional game. It's a rematch of the previous final, and this is one of the top three ranked, top four ranked teams in the world, I believe. I think they're number four behind Sweden and Germany in the U.S. So this is as good as it can get in the group stage, really. Um, it's crazy how two teams that are this high up in the rankings can even get uh, matched up against each other. That totally goes against the meritocratic system of qualifying. That's supposed to be about FIFA, but it's FIFA. So what can you expect? Um, that's not me complaining because I still think the U.S. should get out of this group unscathed. And I do think that the Netherlands will pose the biggest threat. But especially without their top guns you can't really see them going past the u.s they could nick a draw away maybe i think that would be a great result for the netherlands but um i i really like the u.s's chances uh, i i think that that the 
Midma injury is just it's just so devastating for them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more there. Um, yeah, as I mentioned before, you know, there was really one when you're looking at kind of the way they started placing teams, it was like like the first group, the second group, third group. And in that second group, it, it was like the Netherlands were obviously the best team in that second group. And I was like, all right, as long as get every other team was like, you know, I don't remember who the teams were, but I remember it was like a bunch of teams in the Netherlands kind of stuck off the page. And I was like, if only it's not the Netherlands, we're so good in our group, like three straight wins, we're, we're moving on. And of course, the Netherlands uh, were drawn for the, for the U.S. Women's National Team. But moving on to this last team, and this is one that I am a little bit nervous about, surprisingly enough, and that's Portugal, because the U.S. Women's National Team and Portugal played each other not too long ago, and the United States only beat Portugal by 1-0. So it wasn't a great offensive performance by no stretch of the imagination for, for the United States, and on the biggest stage, any mental lapse, Portugal has that ability to take advantage of, and if their defense holds up like we saw in that friendly who knows what can happen? Well, I again, I, I really want to stress the fact that this is the U.S.'s tournament. They don't lose games like this at this tournament. They don't they don't get upset like this. And I think that the U.S. will have uh, with the with the benefit of this being their third group stage match out of three. They'll have hopefully by this point, six points in their back pocket and a, and a berth into the knockout round. Do I think that's going to cause them to sit off? No, I think they're going to have to play for first place because the Netherlands could put up a lot of goals against Vietnam on that final match day. As you know, those matches are played at the same time for that reason. I really think that the U.S. are going to have to play at their best against that Portugal game to secure first place. So I really think they're going to be fully locked and loaded. Um, this Portuguese team, like, they're – they were one of the uh, in inter-confederate uh, qualifiers as well. The only non-CONCACAF team to do it. Good for Europe, whatever. I guess you guys have played soccer before. Um, I don't think that they have nearly enough firepower to score more than one goal if they're lucky against this U.S. team. I think they're going to sit back, maybe knock you on the counter, um, try to throw th something up front to Jessica Silva, who can move. She used to play for Casey Current, if you remember. That's the I like that's the only like high level Portuguese player I can really I really name right now. That's that's on me for not knowing more about this team. But it's I I can see this game going one of two ways. They sit back and they really limit the US's chances and it ends in 0-0 or 1-0 to the US, or the floodgates open and the US really want to secure first place and they start buzzing. Because if they can get it going against the Netherlands, they're going to be firing on all cylinders against Portugal. And I really, I really have uh, my hopes up that they can do it. And I really think they will. Two biggest takeaways from this podcast for me. One, the Philippines are making a dark horse run in the women's world cup. And then quarterfinals are bust. <laughs> and then two, James is a lot more optimistic than me about this team, but we will see. I am. Back to back champs. This is true. This is true. History has every reason for me not to think that way but here we are i had to watch i had to sit through this olympics and i don't think i've been the oh, same the olympics but, the olympics were, were that was bad that was bad we've grown since then have you not seen the growth i've seen the growth to an extent but we'll see we'll see i feel <laughs> like that is the best way to wrap up this episode james thank you so much i hope you enjoyed your debut on all in we'll definitely have you back uh, as we get closer and closer to this World Cup, All In is a production of WFUV Sports.